We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? It is another beautiful Sunday, fun day, and we've got the three-man weave together today. So joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, coach of the podcast, Greg Manakis. What's up, dog? Yo, you got to remember that you and I live in Austin, Texas. Adam does not. So when you said beautiful Sunday, he looked like, bro, it is not a beautiful Sunday where he is. I didn't necessarily mean the day. I more meant the kinship, the friendship, the bond of the three-man weave. It doesn't matter rain, sleet, sunshine. It doesn't matter what the weather is outside. When you got the three-man weave together, it's a beautiful day. And to complete that, we got to bring in our guy, our podcasting cousin from across the pond, the captain of the Taylor gang. Adam Taylor, what's popping, my G? Yo, what's good, man? I did look out the window. I saw the rain. <laughs> I saw the clouds. I saw the lack of like wildlife because it's so cold. Even the birds have left. And I was like, today and today is not a beautiful Sunday. But then you had to make me feel bad because obviously you meant it more on a sentimental level. I'm here just jealous as hell that it's sunny. But yeah, I'm there's good. levels. There's levels to this, baby. You got to, you know, there's all different ways to think about it. Also, lack of wildlife is my new favorite way to describe. Hey, how's the weather today, man? Real lack of wildlife out there. <laughs> I like it when the birds are like singing and like they're chilling on the trees and that, you know, it's just a little bit of activity out there that you can just sit here and watch what they're doing. There's nothing, dude. Nothing <laughs> at all. I got the dog and he's sitting here just breathing heavy, trying to stay warm by the radiator. That's about it. I need to buy him a hoodie. I do feel like when I go to England and Greg, this I think our buddy uh, Joe, who we traveled with last time we were in England, said this. He just feels like you know everybody's really jolly. It's it's something with it's the Americans hearing the the British accent. It feels he, he just like you said made him feel like man, everyone's so jolly around here. But Adam describing, and I know Adam shaking his head to that as well. But Adam talking about he likes hearing the birds. He maybe just think of like in cartoons the birds that would like open like Adam opens his window in the morning with a fresh cup of coffee deep in deep inhale and then some birds fly over and start singing to adam like that's adam's ideal morning that i'm picturing in my yeah dude i mean i'm right by a park i can see a park from like if i look out my window on an angle i can see the park so like 5 a.m in the morning 6 a.m if it's a nice day you wake up the birds are singing you know the the birds are i'm trying trying to remember the uh the woody halson bit at the beginning of um white men can't jump and he's like you wake up and the birds are singing and um, I don't remember. But yeah, like I like that, dude. When I wake up and it's dead peaceful like that, I'm like, dude, it's going to be a bad day. It's going to be wet. It's going to be dismal. I'm going to be sad. The Celtics better have won. Otherwise, it's going to be worse. Uh, you know, it kind of just goes from there. <laughs> well, with the cartoons, Will, you don't want to turn into the the uh, South Park Woodland Critter Christmas that's that's like that's the worst version of that yeah that's that that's when it's all gone wrong or maybe adam's waking up from a hangover that's 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 when it's the world's been turned upside down with the with that cartoon version but adam you mentioned the celtics i think it's i think it's time for us to start start digging in here boys welcome to the second round the boston celtics philadelphia 76ers game one monday night despite some 
unexpected twists and turns in that first round series. Let's uh let's do a little temperature check here, Greg. Let's let's start with you. We got game one coming up on Monday night. We keep getting updates that are kind of non-updates about Joel Embiid. I feel like I've gotten the same Shams update three different times that's all said the same thing with only slightly different verbiage in the last 72 hours. So as we look to to game one, what's what's just your temperature check on the Celtics right now, Greg? I feel great, bro. I feel great. You know that I don't sweat the Sixers at all. I really don't sweat the Sixers at all. We'll get into that a little bit because I do think there are a few uh, matchups that will be interesting to to keep an eye on because I do think the Sixers have some pieces that might give the Celtics some issues. But overall, if Joel Embiid is already doubtful for game one and that LCL injury doesn't seem like he's going to be at full strength at any point throughout the rest of these playoffs, it's it's hard to feel anything but great about this series. Same thing to you, Adam. What you, how are you feeling right now? I was waiting for you to ask temperature because my response is muy caliente. I'm feeling good, baby. Like, <laughs> I'm feeling good. Like the Celtics own the Sixers. The Sixers have no mental advantage coming into this series. They have no Joel Embiid. Like even if Embiid's healthy, it's an asterisk on the health, right? I saw the um, NBC Sports Phillies reported John Clark was saying that even when Embiid's back on the court, he's going to need to wear that knee brace. He, uh, How much is that going to impact his ability to move around on the floor, his ability to change directions on defense? If, he, if he's playing drop defense, is he going to be able to close out into the mid-range spot? I'm just feeling good, man. Uh, honestly, I am James Harden's out there being James Harden, just, you know, living life more than being a pro athlete. Um, I'm all in on a Celtics 4 game nah i'm not gonna say a sweep but we'll, we'll, we'll get to predictions here in a minute you can hold hold on the predictions here i'm, just, for, I'm happy for to a be minute. here i'm sorry we're all happy this, this is see this is what i muy meant caliente. this is what i meant by it's a beautiful muy caliente muy picante <laughs> 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 little uh little li- duolingo in the, for everyone listening right now then. <laughs> trying to help everybody out uh but real quick before we put the hawks completely in our rear view mirror Anything that we feel like, and let's just focus on the Celtics here for a second, because we're going to get into matchups with with the Sixers, and I think we all feel pretty confident about this matchup, even before the Embiid injury. We've been talking for for weeks, knowing that this looked like this was going to be the matchup in the second round. But Adam, when you look at that first round series against the Hawks, did we learn anything new about the Celtics in that series? About the Celtics? Not really. I feel like everything we expected to happen happened, right? They get a good win, good few wins in their belt, under their belts, take their foot off the gas a little bit, Trey Young wins a game for them. Uh, rotations were good. I think that we saw a bit more of Joe Mazzula's playbook. But all in all, I think the biggest lesson was that coaching matters in the playoffs because Quinn Snyder, in my opinion, is solely responsible for making Atlanta a, t- a more difficult opponent in the latter few games than they were in the early few games. Other than that, not really. I learned that Grant Williams should play more. I learned that Sam Hauser is a movement shooter, and when you ask him to be stationary, he's not as impactful, and that's what they did later in this series. Other than that, man, I just feel like the only thing we learned was the Celtics need to lock in more. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of what Joe was doing, I think at the end of the games, now that we're fully healthy, we kind of learned what Joe's strategy is going to be if the Celtics have a lead, right? When the Celtics had the lead at the end of each of those games, he decided to lean on last year's starting five, which it seems like Joe thinks that the potential of that lineup defensively outweighs anything that the the team could get on the offensive end by sliding in a Derek White, sliding in a Grant Williams, just anybody else, or Brogdon uh, for that for that matter too. Mm-hmm. He just really seemed to lean on that five. But then when it didn't really work in game five, right, because we ended up winning in six, he decided to mix it up in game six just a little bit, right? He, he was like, all right, I like the potential of last year's starting five, but I recognize that maybe Grant Williams should be in over Robert Williams for a specific possession because of, you know, they need a three-pointer in this situation. They don't need anything at the rim. So let me take Rob out. Let me get Grant in there who can guard a little bit more on the perimeter, right? So there, I started to see some little adjustments from Joe, seemingly um, maybe a little too late because we should have won that series a game earlier. But 
he's one of those guys that like he he's so steadfast and stubborn in his beliefs that he's going to continue to go back to what he believes in versus trying something new. So I thought that it was nice to see him try something a little bit new in game six. I am slightly concerned that game six end of uh, end of game offense was fool's gold because I think that just like having more weapons on the floor is better than guys just like making the right decisions. And I think like making the right decisions in game six, looking at you, Marcus Smart, that did a great job at the end end of that game. I think it might make more sense to have Derek White on the court just because we've seen throughout the year that he's the better, better decision maker and the better player. Yeah, I mean, we've said it for a while now. I think I think Derek White should just be a staple. Is that oh, you're closing a game? Derek White's out there. I think that needs to be something that's that's fairly consistent. And you know, when I look at the the question of has this team or did we learn anything about this team in round one? I think the thing for me that I learned is that I'm not positive they've learned some of the lessons I was hoping they learned from the run last postseason. And I don't think there's any reason to overreact or freak out. Which you know, I got me and Adam got all that out of the way earlier in the week. We we overreacted and freaked out, and you know, it it is it is what it is. It was therapeutic. It was needed. I think a lot of Celtics fans were were feeling that. I don't think that's our long term feelings towards the team. But you know, you talked about it, Greg, right? Like that's that that series should have been done in five, and we've seen the buildup. The longer you let teams hang around, the way that it the you know it wear the the wear that happens to your own roster. You know, we always are going to have injury concerns with Rob Williams. Brogdon, thank God, has been supremely healthy this year, but he has a history. Marcus Smart plays the way he does. He always kind of has these bangs and bruises. And so the longer you have to go, the more opportunity that you're leaving yourself out there for something like that to happen. And I think when we look at this Philly series, that's a lesson that I think they need to to be aware of. It's something that they need to be cautious of because we don't know what we're getting with Joel Embiid. To me, Joel Embiid, out of respect, was the he was the fear factor. Like singularly by himself, he was the fear factor of playing the Sixers. Is oh, this dude's gonna have to do basically what Jimmy Butler did to the Bucks. He's gonna have to do something of that equivalent for the Sixers to to take out the the Celtics. And now he's going to be impaired. He might not be playing game one. He might not play game two. From everything I've been hearing about this LCL injury, just his his movement is going to be so restricted that mm-hmm. he'll even when he's out there, he'll be out there, but he's not really out there. And so if you're the Celtics, and especially when you look across the other side of the bracket, which we'll talk about, like I don't care if that series goes five games with the Knicks and Heat, they're going to beat the shit out of each other. That's th- there's very likely somebody in their rotations, and the Heat are already limited without Hero, without Oladipo, who've already got hurt in the first round. Like I wouldn't be surprised if at least one or more of of main rotation guys, Randall's already banged up on the Knicks. They're probably having some more injuries going into whoever gets out of that series. So mm-hmm. if you're the Celtics, you need to look at this like there is no time to mess around. It's time to come take care of business and it doesn't mean they sweep because I had like Philly has good players. Like let's, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll give them a certain level of respect, but without Embiid, there's really not much reason for this to be a series that goes six and certainly not seven games and that you're not sitting at home getting that rest. And you know, they had that opportunity in game in game five in Boston blew it down the stretch. So let's see if they learn from that. Cause clearly some of the lessons I think from last year didn't necessarily, you know, take prominence in the moment in that game yeah. five at home. Yeah, for sure. I one question I want to ask you, Will, is when you picture Joel Embiid in the fourth quarter of any game, mm-hmm. what's the one image you think of when you think of Joel Embiid in a fourth quarter? Hands on his knees, heavy, heavy, uh, heavy breathing. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. So, like, if this dude is coming off of this LCL injury, even if he's eighty percent, he also that also means he has not been able to condition properly for this for this series, right? So, yeah. like. If he's on the court, he's going to be, what, 70, 80% of himself. His movement's going to be limited, but then his his wind is going to probably be at an all-time low. So my question for you guys is if I, if I had to put a number out there, over, under 3.5 minutes into the game, when does Joel Embiid first grab his shorts? I'm going to go under. I'm going to go two minutes, 25 seconds into last. Will, you're a betting man. Not yeah, I'm a successful. I'm, I'm not a very successful betting man. I am. My God, dude, I am. I am frigid. I am in the cold, in an igloo, no clothes, just shivering for dear life with my betting right now. But 
Yeah, I'll take the under, which means it's going to be the over. So that's that's if that's an actual bet out there. If I'm saying the under, take the over. But no, your 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 point is well taken. That it's really hard to envision. I mean, Embiid's going to have to be on some. What was it in the? I don't know if it was in the '89 or '90s finals that Isaiah Thomas, where he's on the sprained ankle and he scores 25 points against the Lakers. You know, he did that for a game. Embiid's basically going to have to have that performance for a series. And then if you're if you're Philly, you're thinking about you know how the hell would he replicate that going forward if he mm-hmm. somehow is able to. Pull that off, you know. Yeah, and when you when you think about you, you mentioned Embiid versus Butler, right? You said he's going to have to go like full Jimmy Butler for an entire series. Like Embiid has never been that guy to be able to do that for more than a game, right? He can he can get into that mode every once in a while, but he doesn't have the natural conditioning and the natural dog in him that Jimmy Butler has. Jimmy Butler has that indomitable will that like nobody else in the league can get to that level like Jimmy Butler can get to that level seemingly right Jimmy Butler's like that dude right now and there's nobody else that can just like take over a game like the only other guy right now in the league that to me has that like visceral in him is Russell Westbrook and he doesn't have the talent anymore I'd say that the difference between Embiid and Jimmy is that Jimmy does it as you said by indomitable will by force Embiid does it just by being the, literally the whole Helios... Like, if you want to talk about heliocentric offense, that's Embiid and Philly, right? Like, Philly will just force-feed Embiid until he's successful. Now, when he's not 100%, when he's gassed, you can force-feed him all you want. He's not going to be able to eat the way he usually does. And there is no way that I see him having a Jimmy Butler-type impact on this series. Now, if he was healthy, do you... Th- like, the question is, if he was healthy, do you think he could have had that similar impact? Not as much of a a forceful one, but one that was just as impactful that could have swung this series in Philly's favor. I do. I think that Harden's evolution as a guard turning into more of a pass first guy being, you know, I wrote this, like if you look at Harden's stats, he's pretty much a guarantee of 25 to 40 points a night based off points and assists. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Embiid, it's a guaranteed 25 to 35 a night. Well, those two guys now are putting up 70, 80 points between them in terms of points and assists. There's a world where I would have been really concerned and I'm like, damn, the Celtics need to be locked in because then you had Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, whatever. Without Embiid, I just don't know how their offense flows. And you could, I, I genuinely think that I would have been more scared of Miami banged up as they are because Jimmy's healthy. Like, mm-hmm. So I'm not too worried, man. Will, you kind of said like it shouldn't be going six games, definitely not seven, which means you're like, you know, 4-1, gentleman sweep. Um I'm pretty confident that that's how it should be too. I think there's a game where Harden goes off or Maxi does whatever, but I'm not too worried about Embiid at all. Well, on that note of, of Harden and Maxi, and this question goes to to both of you here. You know, is there a matchup that you look at from the Celtics' perspective that you know, like we said, if Embiid's healthy, he's he's a ma- he's a mismatch for everybody in the league. So that that that's spoken for, and he's not going to be healthy. So you know, it, it is what it is. But outside of Embiid, you know. Let's take a break, and I want to come back. I want, I want to. I want to ask you guys about if there's any matchups that you're looking at that you may have some questions on for the Celtics. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Chase Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Greg, let's let's start with you here. Is, is there anyone outside of Embiid that you could see giving the Celtics trouble in this series from a matchup perspective? I feel like I'm stealing Adam's answer here, but I'm going to go with Adam's boy, D'Anthony Melton. Um, I love D'Anthony Melton so much as a defender. And I think that just like Melton taking out one of the two um, guards for the Celtics, whether that's smart, whether that's white, I think if he if he's playing at an elite level on the defensive end, you could even throw Melton on Jalen, right? Kind of similar to what DeJounte Murray did to Jalen in round one until Jalen kind of cracked that code later in the series. I think Melton has a lot of the same um, defensive potential as a um as a DeJounte Murray, but I think he's a better defender. And I think he he does more of the little things on the defensive end where Murray's a little bit more of a gambler. He does most of his stuff with long arms. Melton is also a great positional defender and he's a great better screen navigator than than Murray is. Um so I think DeJounte uh, Murray, what he did for uh for the Hawks, I think Melton could do something similar for the Sixers. And then just in general, I think that Melton McDaniels and Harris, their wing defense is going to be more important than what I think a lot of people, um, just like casual observers of the NBA would say like, oh, PJ Tucker needs to be their wing stopper. I don't really see that anymore out of PJ Tucker. I think it's that three headed monster on the wing that could give a Tatum some issues, could give a Brown some issues. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Tyrese Maxey because I think the Tyrese Maxey, Derek White type of matchup is going to be super interesting. Right, Tyrese Maxey is... You want to talk about that indomitable will, that forcefulness? Maxey's nowhere near at the level of Jimmy Butler. I'm not going to say that he is. I'm not going to lie. But he's a high-energy guy that can ball, that plays with a ton of force, that knows how to defend at a decent level and knows how to get to where his spots are on offense. You put that up against Derek White, and now you're looking at somebody that plays with a lot of physicality versus somebody that plays with a lot of like mental capacity. Derek White being that guy that reads the game more. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup, and I'm really curious to see who has who in in whose pocket. Like you look at White's defense on whoever he's put on, and he he finds a way to succeed, right? Whether that's rear view blocks, whether he manages to keep the guy in front of him or stay on somebody's hip. Doing that on Maxi, who can literally just shrug someone as white like as white size, just shrug him off, is going to be really interesting. So I've got that down as a key matchup, just because. Derek White was such an important part of those early wins in that Hawks series that I think that you need him to be able to find ways to make an impact on the game. And Max is going to be a really tough matchup there. Yeah, I'll double down on that with you, Adam. I think that's the the key matchup for me is is White versus Maxi because I think if the Sixers have any chance here of of pulling an upset, Maxi not only has to win that matchup, he he's got to do it in a in a way that we haven't seen yet, right? Like it has to be, you know, Greg, you and I talked a lot about and it didn't happen in this postseason, but we talked a lot about Evan Mobley being man. If, is this is the time when he be, evolves into that Charizard or does you know whatever the next evolution of his game is? And I don't know if Maxi has that that next level of, of evolution it might just be putting up 30 points a game if he can do that which i don't think he's going to be able to do on Derek white but i think if the sixers are going to have a chance and i you know i, I went on the liberty ballers podcast with them and was talking and by the way <laughs> they are not in a good headspace i'll say this <laughs> philly philly fans are not in a good headspace going into this matchup but we talked a little bit about how especially with mb banged up you know so much of their game adam you talked about it being heliocentric around that pick and roll of, of harden and mb which is dynamic it's it's really especially with james harden and his passing ability you're they're almost going to have to force feed maxi to get him involved more than they they're used to because that's really their only path is that they need maxi to be to, to be a guy a level above what he's been and i think if i mean if they if he can't win if Derek white wins that matchup it's just game over there's i don't know if there's a pathway for the sixers to to be able to to come well, out of the series or make it super super competitive 
let's zag for a second here because when we when we think about the Sixers, we think about a very predictable offense, right? You know, a couple things are going to happen. You're going to have a James Harden pick a roll with Embiid getting the ball in the short short roll around the nail. You're going to throw the ball and Embiid in the post, mid post, and let him just as you guys said, heliocentric. To me, that's more geocentric. Um, it's just like Embiid doesn't really make everybody around him better. It's all about himself, right? And not, nothing is revolving in that moment. Everything's very stationary. So it's very archaic. So I think with Embiid being out, like maybe there's a world in which the Sixers offense is able to open up just a little bit more, play the style that seems to give the Celtics some issues, that Orlando Magic style, that um, Oklahoma City Thunder style, where they're just throwing the ball around. The Indiana Pacers, another team that's given the Celtics issues um, over the past couple of years, just teams that are attacking from every single um, spot on the floor and not just one or two spots because you can game plan around one or two spots. It's a lot harder to game plan around all five guys having the the green light to make something happy. And that happened. And that's where I think Tyrese Maxey could thrive. I don't think Maxey thrives in the offense that Doc Rivers has has um, created around James Harden and Joel Embiid. But in a five-out situation, if they're looking to push the pace, they're not worried about Embiid lumbering up and down the court with that knee. I think Maxey's definitely a guy that could get off. What's quite interesting is how much can you push the pace with with Harden as your primary ball handler? He's Great like point. he he's not he's I wrote this in an article that came out today. He gives off old man Hooper vibes. Everything's slow and deliberate, but wearing sweatpants in the middle of a game. Yeah, and just dropping. Hey, Greg, you do that a lot. <laughs> but he's dropping dimes on you, and he, he's scoring. But every it's personal pace, right? He plays at a speed that helps him. And then here's a little excerpt from another article that's coming out today. The Sixers play slow. The Sixers play slow poke slow. The Sixers play where are my dentures slow. Like that's the type of speed that they're playing with right now. Old man basketball because Tobias Harris isn't known for being uh, a fast paced guy. Like he's, a, he's athletic and he's big and he can score, but he's not someone that's going to sprint the floor every possession. He's methodical. Yeah, the only guy you've got really that's going to give you that type of energy is Maxi. That's why he's the swing factor here. But if he's pushing the pace and everybody else is lagging behind and the Celtics are just taking away the rim on that first drive off Maxi, the Sixers are going to have a real difficult time finding open shooters because the Celtics are just built out. And that's one thing they've been good at under Joe Mazzulla, taking away the rim and then building back out to the perimeter and then they'll switch and rotate to where they need to. So I'm really curious, like, that's why Embiid is that guy for them, right? Because they do play such a slow, methodical pace of basketball that Embiid will just bully his way down into that mid post. And then you can run some actions on the wings off of that. And whether or not anyone else gets the ball is besides the point. It's just the way their offense is designed. Now it's going to be most likely a Montrez, Harrell, um, James Harden pick and roll. And Montrez isn't the same Montrez that dominated in that pick and roll with Lou Williams four or five years ago. It's not that Montrez anymore. So I just don't, and he's not going to be able to give you the mid-range game that Embiid can give you. And I don't think the Celtics are going to be too concerned about limiting his ability to get to the rim as a role man. They'll just tag him early with smalls. So I'm not sure where their offense, like high-level go-to offense time and time again is going to come from. I don't know what their primary action is going to be. So we all feel pretty confident is what I'm gathering from our conversation here <laughs> heading into the series. And and I think rightfully so. I mean, when Joel Embiid is, is so crucial to that team and, you know, Adam, this harkens back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago. Versatility is king, right? I don't, I don't know what their what what's their option to go to without Embiid. I don't know that they have that in their bag to be able to sustain in a, you know, in a playoff environment like this. So let's flip this to the Celtics here and let's talk a little bit about. The Bucs are gone. The Bucs and the Celtics were seemingly on a collision course all season as the two best teams, not necessarily just in the East, but potentially in the entire NBA. That was kind of the matchup. Everyone's, you know, Greg, you say a lot, styles make fights. Everyone's kind of eyeballing each other. How do we handle Giannis and their double bigs? What are they going to do against our wings? Everybody's kind of gearing up for that. Well, that's off the table. They're gone. 4-1 Miami. They're moving on. It's Miami and New York, a series many people didn't. No one really saw coming. Most people had Cavs and Bucks in that scenario. So the Celtics now, as we've talked about, have home court advantage throughout the remainder of the playoffs, including all against all Western Conference teams, should they make the finals. So I think right now there's a new added pressure to this team that I'm not sure they've necessarily had to deal with before where, you know, if they don't make a finals run, this is going to get back to kind of that Giannis, you know, post-game session. Will Is it a failure? What's not a failure? 
it's going to kind of feel like a failure if these Celtics don't at least get back to the finals right now mm-hmm. with the way everything has broken. Greg, do you think that pressure is going to be good or bad for this team or it's something that you know that they're going to struggle to handle? I think that pressure is already there. You know, okay. if we didn't make it back to the finals this year, the fact that Jalen Brown is entering into that, you know, last last year of his contract, um, it, it's an issue. You know what I mean? Like we need to win a championship this year because as we're seeing with the Bucks, windows close very quickly. We saw that with the Thunder. The Warriors are that one team that are seemingly keeping that window open longer than you could ever expect. But we need to win a championship this year. I thought coming into this year, we were the favorite to win the championship and we should still win the championship. So I don't think there's any added pressure to me that the pressure is relieved, to be honest with you, like Embiid is hurt. We should get through this series pretty easily. I don't have added pressure at the fact that Embiid is not going to be hundred percent next series. We're going to play either the Knicks or the heat. Now, obviously the heat bring up, um, goes from the past from last year and from the bubble the knicks really gave us some issues this year so i don't think that's going to be an easy matchup but i do think that's an easier matchup than going up against a fully healthy bucks team so i i don't see the pressure happening um you know being any more apparent now that the bucks are out i actually think the pressure is relieved see i'd say that it's a little bit more for me i'm seeing it in a similar way like i don't think there's pressure to make it to the finals but now i think there's more pressure and actually succeed in the finals, right? Like one of the things that made the Celtics such a robust team last season was the amount of battles they had to go through to get there. And granted, they were dead out by the time they get there. They were gassed, their legs are gone. There'd been too much of a battle. But I worry now that hey, you go through the Hawks, they're like they they pull up a fight, but you go in with a massive talent advantage. You come into this series against the Sixers, where it's meant to be more parity between you two, and Bede goes down, now there's a significant talent advantage. Whoever you face out of Miami and New York, there's a significant talent advantage. The Celtics aren't going to face a real test now until the NBA Finals, if they get there, right? assuming they get there. Uh, and that's a worry, because that's when all of a sudden that first punch can rock you. If you've dominated four or five rounds, and you, you know, and then all of a sudden someone hits you with that first big right, and you're rocked, that's when we're going to see their character shine through. How badly do they want it? And some, and like, I'd rather find that out in the semis or in the conference final than find that out in the finals. And then, you know, if, I genuinely believe if they get all the way back to the finals and they don't succeed, that's when we start hearing talks of legitimate change. Like, you've been to the finals twice, it hasn't worked. Um, I'd really like them to play New York in the finals simply because in the conference finals, obviously, simply because New York have played them well all season. They're, uh, they're going to be defensively sound. They're going to make Boston work. And I think you just need that one series where you have to grind it out to go into that playoff finals feeling a little bit more uh, confident about being able to handle that big right that's going to come no matter who you play. But even with New York, like Randall being limited, Randall's one of those guys that just always gives the Celtics issues. Yeah. We don't really have anybody that can guard him. And if he's limited, just like Embiid is limited, mm-hmm. like the Knicks don't scare me as much as they would if Randall were playing at all NBA Julius Randall level. So if That's he's fair. limited, like the guy that the matchup that worries me or that could be the test in my opinion is is the heat just because that's been a test in the past it's been a test that we've succeeded on but still like there's a world last year in which the celtics don't make the finals just because of jimmy butler bam out of bio can easily outplay our bigs um he's i think he's the best big in that series if we go up against them so mm-hmm. there are a lot of issues with the heat a lot of issues with the knicks but randall being limited i, I think everything the stars are aligning for the celtics to make uh, an easier and then expected run back to the finals. And then when you look out West, that's a whole nother conversation. But, um, you know, it's either gonna, it's either gonna be the Nuggets, the Suns, the Lakers, or the Warriors or Kings, right? That series yeah. is still yet to be decided. So I think the Celtics are in pole position to, to get Banner 18. I mean, they're definitely do not pole. lose. Oh, go ahead, Adam. No, I was just gonna say, do not lose to the Lakers in the NBA finals. Otherwise, everybody riots. That would be really so. So that would be really rough. That's a whole other scenario to talk about. But <laughs> I, I think all these other, all these limitations on these other teams, like you said, it's the Celtics are clearly in pole position, which is to me what I think makes even more pressure. Because I think when the Bucks were there, or even when you had, you know, if Embiid was fully healthy, like I said, if Embiid finally were fully healthy and goes nuclear and is able to sustain a, you know. 
40 points, 20 rebounds and five assists, some type of insane, you know, pace. You could always look at, man, our team was really good. It took Embiid giving everything he had. When the Bucks were still around, there was a world in which, you know, you play them in a tough six, seven game series and you go, man, we're toe to toe. Maybe the Bucks win the championship and it's, hey, listen, we're right there. There's nothing to, to panic about. I think right now where we've seen the Celtics do this, and this is what I'm kind of talking about, like learning lessons. Are you going to play down to your competition because Embiid's not there? You would think it's the playoffs, so that should be erased. But DeJounte Murray not there. We, we've seen that in game five. I think that's still part of what lays into this team is that they don't always – I hate saying lock-in because it's so subjective. So I don't know I don't know what the reason is, but we've seen it time and time again. And so if that happens enough where you know they do stumble somehow before we even getting to the finals, that's an – disaster i don't even i'm not like even just that scenario thinking about us having to podcast about the offseason of the celtics losing to a sixers team with a beat up joel Embiid or losing to the knicks or heat in the eastern conference finals that's not an offseason that i i think i think you will you will have to answer a lot of questions about do you shake it up what is the next move here what is the jalen brown of this all that that is continually you know lingering over this so I think everything you're saying about it being set up 100%. This is set up for the Celtics to get back to the finals. Let's see who they would draw. And then we can just talk about that matchup. But I think there is also a very inherent pressure where there's every misstep now is, does this team really have it? Is this team made for it? Maybe Mm -hmm. this is why Jalen Brown wants to leave. And so because I don't expect them to dominate, I expect them to have their faults because they are a fault. They are a good team, not a great team. I think that's going to build up to to more pressure, even though the path is easier. This is well. This is the the Boston Dorchester kid at heart speaking to you. This is the, <laughs> this is the, this is the uh, before the Boston Red Sox won their first World Series. Little kid speaking from you, man. You're, you're looking at this so negatively, bro. <laughs> like the, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> the, I mean, there's two sides to it. Not everything. No, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I no, think I, this is a real W E E I cold. They want that I'm just saying, like, yes, the expectations are greater now because, like, it would be a much bigger disappointment if we didn't win. But, like, there's there's not more pressure. There, there's, like, if we lose, yes, mm-hmm. like, the pressure starts to build. But, like, at this moment in time, I don't think there's more pressure. If we somehow are in, you know, a game five where it's 2-2 or a game five where it's 3-1 the other way, then, yeah, that pressure's there. Yeah. But right now... We shouldn't be feeling the pressure, man. We should be feeling the good vibes and feel like we think things are really falling in the right place. I don't know. I'm just going to snatch the low-hanging fruit. The Celtics always seem to struggle in games they should win. So imagine mm. what it's going to be like in a playoff run that they should win. Do you know I mean, what That's I mean? my point. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm just putting it in low-hanging fruit terms. Uh, <laughs> terms I like low-hanging fruits. The easiest ones is a grab. <laughs> terms that won't put me on WEEI. I know you're bidding <laughs> for a role there. Um, not that I've ever had issues with people from WEI. Um, yeah, so I think that there is worlds there where there's going to be, you know, the Celtics are going to put pressure on themselves. But at the same time, this team has been talking all year about how they are ready to win the championship, how it's their only focus. Well, now's your best chance you're probably ever going to get. Every break you could have had has happened. Now, God willing that you stay healthy throughout this entire run. I don't see a team, like unless you, you know, the only time I'm going to worry is when you face Phoenix in the finals. So I'm hoping Phoenix get bounced. Get there. I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Denver's going to take Phoenix out. Personally. That's what I'm saying, right? But I don't fear Denver the way I fear Phoenix. Like yeah. they just have too many X factors. Devin Booker, like KD. Um, you know, I, I fear Golden State more than I fear Denver. Yeah, I fear the Lakers more than I fear Denver. I don't fear Denver, is what I'm saying. We have Grant Williams. <laughs> I'm not scared of Jokic. When We've got Grant Batman Williams. against the Joker. We can't. We yeah. can't feel scared. Over an article the other day saying is the bat signal broken, and not one person commented on how sick of a title that was. I was really upset. <laughs> that is pretty good. That is good. So make sure you guys give Adam some love here. He needs it. He needs yeah, I mean, it, but... come on, man. I'm putting all this in, and not one person DM me like, "Yo, that was a sick title, dude." I was like, no, oh. but dude, that was before people realized there's just no wildlife around you. Yeah. <laughs> now they're like, oh shit, Adam got no birds. We gotta Yeah, we gotta up. we gotta cheer him up here, man. We yeah, I've been on this show with you for weather. 35 minutes. I've seen not one animal, not a one. <laughs> Even my dogs left the ring. All right, real quick before we before we take a break here, and we have a, a little bit of fun with the draft here in just a second. Greg, what's your prediction for the series? Adam, and then I'll I'll take it here before we go to break. Celtics in five, gentlemen sweep. We go we go up 3-0, Philly wins game four, we win game five. 
I'm taking Celtics in six because they'll find a way to shoot themselves in the foot at least once. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think Celtics in six was, I think it should be Celtics in five, but I'm going Celtics in six. I think there's going to be a game along the way that they should win, but they don't. But ultimately, I think we all think that they advance and we're not really sweating it. So that's the Green with Envy prediction for this upcoming series. We'll take a quick break and then let's, uh, let's draft the players of the Eastern Conference second round. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we're stealing a gimmick that Greg came up with um, right before the playoffs. We drafted all of the players that were available in the play, and I thought it was a really good way to kind of take a look at what talent is is left in you know in this scenario. So we're down to four teams. We're just going to stick to the Eastern Conference right now. We don't know what the Western Conference matchup looks like quite yet. We're recording this right before Game 1 of Heat Knicks and Game 7 of Warriors and Kings. So let's stick to the Eastern Conference. So we got the Celtics, we got the Sixers, we have the Heat, we have the Knicks. We're each going to draft five players here. We're going to snake it. Let's go, um, Adam and Greg. Let's let's do a quick little rock paper scissors here. See who goes who goes first between you two. What are we going on shoot or are we going on free? Rock Greg. paper scissors shoot. Okay, you shoot. Okay, you guys want me to call it out? Yeah. All right. Rock paper scissors shoot. Again, we both. Okay, here we go. Rock paper scissors shoot. All right, Adam. You Adam. Get first. Adam gets the first pick. So we're gonna we do this as a snake draft. So Adam, uh, you go first. You can pick between any player on these four teams here. Who is your first pick in this draft? Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference only. I'm torn between my heart and my head. I'm going with my heart because I always have done. So I'm taking Jason Tatum, even though I'm leaving arguably the most <laughs> dominant player in the history of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say that without laughing. I know. Jason Tatum. All right. Okay. It's the first pick, Greg. It's over to you. I think I know who you're going to go with. Yeah, got to go Jimmy Buckets. Um, I know that's who Adam was probably thinking about uh, yeah. taking there. So why are you going Tatum over Butler? Because this is a Celtics podcast, and if we don't pick the Celtics <laughs> player first, what are we even doing here? <laughs> no, I mean, you made it easy on me to take Butler at two, but is it? what's the argument for Tatum over Butler right now? There isn't one. That I mean that that's that's the conversation to have right now, right? It's like who's the, one, who's the think, best player left in the Eastern Conference? Is it Jimmy Butler or is it Jason Tatum? No, I think Jimmy Butler's in better form than Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum is still the better player right now in terms of no, even even I don't believe it when I'm saying that. That's the worst thing about it, right? Like, I, <laughs> hey, but be, that's not that's not a knock on Tatum. That's yeah. not a knock on Tatum. No, that's Jimmy not. Butler going to the next level. Yeah, yeah, and this is what I'm saying, but like. I don't believe it when I'm saying it. I think Jimmy Butler is probably the best player left in the Eastern Conference right now. But this is a Celtics podcast. They have an, an also like an all-star borderline superstar forward. If we didn't choose him first, we probably would have lost a bunch of listeners. So I'm going <laughs> to stick with Taylor. So Adam's pandering. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> panderer, man. He's a he's a real panderer, man. Yeah. So all right. So we got so we got Tatum off the board at one, Jimmy off the board at two. I mean, this is where I feel compelled to go even injured. I feel like I should go Embiid, but I might leave him on the board because I, I really think there's a, a chance he might not well, even play. You get back-to-back picks. Bro. I get back-to-back picks. So I could take him in either of these spots. And I'm debating passing on it and, and seeing if y'all want to go ahead and, and jump in and take it right now because this is just right now. This is in the moment. So what I'm actually going to do, I'm going to go Jalen Brown here. Jalen Brown's going to be going to be the number three pick in this draft. Number four, give me another Jalen. I'm going Jalen Brunson. Okay. 
Give me Jalen Brunson. It. I got JB and JB in my backcourt. I'm into it. I, I think that that's a good call. I was actually going to make the argument for Brunson over Brown just because of what he's able to do in fourth quarters. We had this yeah. conversation uh, recently on a pod where I was like, I feel like I trust Jalen Brunson over any Boston Celtics player with the ball in his hands in the last five minutes of the game. Um, so why, why are you going Brown over Brunson here, even though you got both of them on the same team? Yeah, I mean, I, they're kind of one and the same to me. It's I want Jalen Brown for the first, you know, 43 minutes of that game. And then those last five, that's when I want Jalen Brunson to be orchestrating my team. I want Jalen Brunson to get us into, you know, the right action or and to also be able to make a shot himself, whether he's going to the basket or he's able to knock down the outside shot. Um, I think Jalen Brown, because you're looking at, you know, the the first three quarters of the game versus maybe that last quarter. That's why I would look at Jalen Brown, but it depends who else you have on your team. And, you know, in his case right now, when you look at the Celtics, you have Jason Tatum, you have other playmakers that are out there. So you don't have to rely on Jalen Brown in those last couple of minutes. Although sometimes if he has it going, you do want to go that direction, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's pretty close, but I think it's, it's you know, we laid it out here. Jalen Brown's the guy I want for the first 40, 44, 43 minutes. But those last couple of minutes, I would feel much more secure with Jalen Jalen Brunson running that offense than I would Jalen Brown. Yeah, and Jalen really broke out of his slump at the end of that series. So that's also something, you know, the first three games of that series, four games of that series, he wasn't playing great basketball. And then he just like remembered he was Jalen Brown, that block that he had on Murray. Like when, when he gets to that level on defense where he's super locked in, it's like one possession, you need Jalen Brown to cover somebody. Like, Jalen Brown's still a really, really good yeah. option on that end of the floor. Just that athleticism. He's looked so athletic all year. All those dunks he's had in traffic, um, the blocks at the rim that he's had. He's just been great. So I, I you know, I think that's pretty good, uh, pretty good backcourt to start with there. The double JB, JB squared. Now, with my pick, right? I'm just picking the heat now because I got Jimmy <laughs> Butler with pick two. And I gotta go bam at a bio here because we don't even know if Embiid's gonna be able to play. So my first two picks, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, I guess give me Max Struess for my next one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I've got two now, right? So you've got two now, Adam. It's on you, yeah. And B's okay. still out there. Yeah, he can stay there for a hot second. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a different injured guy, somebody that I think can make a big impact. So then I'm gonna slide Tatum down to my small forward spot. I want to draft Julius Randle to play my four. Okay. Because when he's healthy, I think a Julius Randle, Jason Tatum front court is very dangerous, very deadly, very diverse. And then I'm gonna. So now I'm struggling. Do I want to go with a big now, or do I want to go with a guard? Right, like the guy, the best guard in the in the Eastern Conference has been taken in Brunson now. The best remaining guard in mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference. There's still options. You still got Maxi. You still got yeah, Harden. You still got Derek White. You got Marcus Smart. The guy I was thinking about. But we know, Greg, we know Greg has eyes on Max Struess. So you may want to leave him there, unless yeah. unless unless Greg's willing to trade up. I'm going to go James Harden. <laughs> so okay, that makes sense. Okay, so you have Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, and James Harden. Will you currently have JB squared? I have Butler and Bam. All right, let's see. Butler, Bam. I definitely need some shooting on my team right now. So I'm going to go with. Derek White. I'm going to go Derek White here. Um, Yeah. Derek White, just that, that defensive three headed monster of Bam Butler and white. That's about as good as it gets on the defensive end right there. So I'm going to go Derek White. He's going to run, he's going to run the show for me. And um, there were plenty of other guys that I could have taken here, but I just love, maybe we know Derek White's the third best player on the Celtics. He's going to be the third best player in this team too. That's where he thrives. Yeah, that was the first thing that jumped out to me is, and I'm kind of tracking here, you know, how many players from each team are getting picked. And Derek White, third Celtic pick, we've said all year, he's the third best Celtic on the team. So it makes sense. It tracks, it lines up. So Greg, you got now Jimmy, Bam, and Derek White. Adam, you have Tatum, Randall, and James Harden. That leaves me with JB squared in my backcourt. I'm going to have to do, I'm going to take Embiid. I mean, even, even limited. There is a Joel Embiid that is still productive. Like we talked about, I don't think his current team is that team in which they're going to benefit from that. But there is a world in which that can still happen. So I'll go Joel Embiid. Uh, I've been taking the low-hanging fruit all, all podcasts. Why not continue? Joel Embiid's there. Let's gobble it up. So we got JB, JB, and Joel Embiid. And for the fourth pick here, this is where it starts to get really interesting for me, trying to figure out who I think should go next. There's a few different options. 
You know what? I need I need some more on the wing here. I'm gonna go RJ Barrett. RJ no. Barrett's my pick here. Okay, RJ, make the argument. So I was, it really it was between him. Josh Hart is who I was looking at as well because I just love Josh Hart. Josh Hart is the guy that will just jump in and do whatever you need. With RJ here, I get a little bit of defense, a little bit of streaky shooting, a little bit of creation playmaking. So I think if I look at, you know, Jalen Brunson is going to be kind of orchestrating this all. He can play that two-man game with Embiid. We've got Jalen Brown who's just going to be, you know, insane in transition. He can knock down shots playing off of Jalen Brunson. You know, with RJ, I think he can fill the gaps a little bit with what, what my team is missing right now. We probably need one more shooter here to kind of round this out and really give it the the proper spacing. But from a defensive perspective, you know, we got Jalen Brown and RJ on the wings. I feel I feel pretty good defensively going into most series with with that as my wing defense. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good call. I, I personally probably would have taken Josh Hart if I were you, just because I feel like he fills that role that you need on that team. It was, a little it, was, bit it was a debate, yeah. Yeah, but Josh Josh Hart's the man. I want to take Josh Hart right now, but like he doesn't provide quite enough of the shooting that my team still needs. I think with Butler and Bam, when you start a team with Butler and Bam, you need to surround them with shooters. So I got to continue to look for shooters in my squad. And I, you know, I think Josh Hart versus Tyrese Maxey in a vacuum, you're going to take Tyrese Maxey 100 times out of 100. So I'm going to go Tyrese Maxey here. So I didn't take him last round. I wanted to take him over Derek White. Um, but I didn't, and he's still there on the board for me. So I'm liking my team. I got Derek White, Tyrese Maxey, both knockdown shooters that can, uh, you know, play a little combo guard. And then I got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. So I'm in a good, I'm in a good spot. I like that pick. That's a, that's a, that's a high value pick right there. So I'm going to go with Al Horford at the five. Oof, Adam, you snaked it. Yeah, boy, I've been waiting. So Al Horford at the five. I don't think I need to explain that anywhere. Um, <laughs> And now I'm going to go, I need an emotional leader now. So I've got James Harden, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, all prone to be a little bit sulky during games, a little bit um, argumentative during games. So I'm going to plug in Josh Hart there just to give that bit of fortitude. There it is. Dude, your so, team is stacked. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I did it without needing to pick Jimmy Butler, just so I can flex, right? So I've got James Harden, Josh Hart, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, Al Horford. Um, please give me my championship ring now. I will accept it in the mail. I will accept it if you want me to come for a ceremony. However you want to provide me with this ring, that's fine. Just oh, make sure well, it's iced the fuck out. We're, we're just hunting James Harden all day, making him play defense. <laughs> that's fine. I got Al Horford sitting behind him, just like, yeah, come in, dude. I've got the barbecue grill ready, baby. So can you can you say your team one more time? Mine? Yes. Oh, yeah. Muy caliente. Um, <laughs> James Harden, Josh Hart, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, Al Horford. Okay, it's a squad. That is definitely a squad. That's a hooper's hooper. All right, Greg, you got your last pick here, and you've got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Derek White, Tyrese Maxey. I'm assuming you're you're looking in that wing range, which oh yeah, which we're running out of options. Running out of options here. Um, Shoot, I guess what I can do here. This really limits really limits my team in terms of shooting, and I keep coming back to that idea of shooting. But I got to go with him, man. He's been playing. Great basketball. It's going to be a little bit clunky here. I'm going to go Mitch Robinson. Oh, nice. Mitchell Robinson playing center for me, sliding Bam to the four, which is probably his natural position. And if we get to choose a six man, which I would love to do because we did that on the last one, Mm -hmm. I have some options there at six man where I can, you know, stagger the double big lineup. So I'm going to go Mitchell Robinson to play the five for me. Joel Embiid out of the question. Al Horford getting dominated by Mitchell Robinson on on the boards. Uh, so we're going to go Mitch Robinson. So my starting five, Tyrese Maxey, Derek White, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Mitchell Robinson. Ooh, okay. That's a, I like that Mitchell Robinson pick. That was one that, that I've been eyeing. And man, he was so impressive, just dominating Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I mean, Evan Mobley was what, second, third and defensive player of the year this year. Jared Allen was an all-star last year. And Mitchell Robinson just dominated that series. He was definitely somebody that that I was eyeing for for this last pick. And now you've put me put me into a little bit of a pickle here. So let's see. So we, do you, should we do a six man like we did last time as well? All right, we'll do a yeah. six man as well here. So that means I'll, I'm gonna I get, I get to pick two guys here. Yeah. So I've got Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Joel Embiid, R.J. Barrett. So I know with one of them, I'm going Rob Williams. Rob okay. Williams is gonna is gonna be in here. I'm, I'm not quite sure if he's gonna be my my fifth starter or if he's going to be my insurance policy with Joel Embiid and he'll be coming off the bench. We'll have to see how that works. That means I got one pick left here and I probably, God, we are running 
thin on on some of the wings here that I would like to choose. So here's what I'm going to do. We call him Big Ball One for a reason because he can play across multiple positions. Give me Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is going to be my last pick that we have here. So that rounds out my team here. We're a little clunky. It's not the, the greatest fit, I'll be honest. Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Joel Embiid, R.J. Barrett, Rob Williams, and Marcus Smart. I like my talent collection. I think we're going to have to do some experimenting here with uh, finding the right lineup. You need James Borrego for this, baby. That's a James Borrego team all the way. <laughs> okay, I'm between two guys here. Um, and this was funny enough. These were two of the guys that were right in the running for six man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon or Emmanuel quickly. Um, so I got to go Brogdon, right? Brogdon won six man of the year, although quickly arguably could be the better fit on this team with, with my squad. Um, I like Brogdon, the knockdown shooting physical defense. He can play up quickly. Can't necessarily play up. I need someone that can give Jimmy Butler some, uh, some break there on the wing. So I'm going to go Malcolm Brogdon. I had Brogdon. I was hoping nobody realized that, that he was still available. So I'm going to have to go with the other low-hanging fruit and just snag IQ. Yeah. That and that just gives me that spark plug, right? I'm, I'm very comfortable there. Now, the question is, does anybody have any trades they'd like to announce? <laughs> <laughs> some, back, some backroom dealings that have been going on. My people talking to your people. But So real quick. So, here's, so here are the final teams that we have here. So Adam, we've got Tatum, Randall, Harden, Al Horford, uh, Josh Hart, and Emmanuel. Oh, yeah. That's your team. Greg, we've got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Derek White, Tyrese Maxey, Mitchell Robinson, and Malcolm Brogdon. And then for my team, we've got Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Joel Embiid, RJ Barrett, Rob Williams, and Marcus Smart. So my first comment is I kind of like all of our teams. I think our teams all have a really unique blend that would be, it would actually be a lot of fun strategically trying to find out how these matchups would go. But here was something I was tracking and I wanted to see where kind of the talent just like lies within these four teams. So there were set out of these 18 picks, seven were Celtics, two were Miami heat, six were Knicks and three were 76ers. So if we're looking from a talent standpoint, it feels like we, we should be leaning into a seize Knicks Eastern conference finals. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling. That's how I I'm want feeling. this. I want these teams. If Brando's healthy. I want these teams put on Twitter. So people, so people can vote on a poll, which team wins. Yeah, we'll put this out there. We'll we'll get something out there. We can see what team uh what, what team the fans like the most out They're of the They're gonna go three. with whatever team's got Jimmy Butler on there. You know that, right? <laughs> or, I mean, hey, like you said, mad, dude. dude, you're the Pander King. You said we're a Celtics podcast. If they see Jason Tatum, they might just lean the into the King. I get that up one one time, man. <laughs> hey, you guys are calling me W E I over here. I'm fighting back today, all right? We're, 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 we're Has the pressure swinging. ever been greater on the Boston Celtics to win a finals? Is it right now? <laughs> Since the days of Bill Russell. No, oh, but, no but I, I think right now, like, so right now we talked, we gave our Celtics predictions. What's your Heat Knicks prediction for, for that series? Heat in five. No, Ooh. Knicks in five. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, muy, muy picante. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so for me, it's, it all depends on Randall. Mm-hmm. If Randall's healthy, I got the Knicks. Um, if Randall's not healthy, I got the Heat. Okay, gotcha. I now who's uh, pandering? <laughs> I got I got Knicks here. I think almost, and this is weird enough to say, regardless of, of Randall's health, I just think the Heat shot 45% from three, and they're not a very good three-point shooting team, but they shot 45% from three in that Buck series, and Jimmy Butler still had to, I mean, they, they got out in five games, which is still wild to think about. I still think it's hilarious. They closed out the Buck season on NBA TV. The number <laughs> one seed wasn't even on national TV when they fell. But I, I think the Knicks, ultimately, their depth, even with Randall banged up, I think eventually that's going to that's gonna do it. So I, I'm going I'm to go Knicks in seven, but I, I do think there's definitely room for, for Jimmy to keep on Jimmy and, and see what happens here. But looks like – so I think all of us here think Celtics-Knicks are going to be what will be the Eastern Conference Finals. Stay tuned. We'll be keeping updated, obviously, everything Celtics-related, and we'll be checking in on series uh, across the NBA as well. So make sure y'all are tuned into that. But today is Sunday, so before we wrap up, we got to do what we always do. Let's cue up that vibe check. All right, time for another vibe check. Adam. You know, you, you've got no wildlife out by your window. You're feeling sad today because of that. So I think you should go first with our vibe check today. 
Yeah, okay, then I'll go first because I can hear a bird. I just can't see the bird. Well, we don't want you um, to miss it, so hurry up. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week I launched a, it's a, it's a bit of self-promo, but it's a vibe check too. I launched a new newsletter, Celtics Film Room. Uh, that's what I'm vibing with right now, kind of enjoying just having complete freedom to just kind of do whatever random crap I feel like doing each day. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw it, but I kind of broke down the final five minutes of the Celtics collapse against the Hawks in the late, in the last one. That was really fun. Never done anything like that before. If you want to check it out, the link's going to be in the bio of this show and every show for the foreseeable future, probably till I'm dead. Um, so make sure you, you're going through there, clicking on that um, and signing up. I'd really appreciate it. Other than that, I'm kind of just vibing with the fact I can hear a bird outside. I'm chilling. What's the opposite of caliente, by the way? How do I say? Very cold. Uh, frío. Muy frío. Mucho frío. Mucho frío. Mucho. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg. What do you got? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with scorpion bites. Not vibing with scorpion bites. <laughs> Live down here in, in Austin, Texas. I'm sitting on my couch the other day watching TV, and all of a sudden, I feel something on my neck, and I'm like, "That doesn't feel like anything I felt before." So. I immediately smack my neck and I grab something that feels like something I've never felt before. And I throw it across the room and I'm like, holy shit, does my neck hurt right now? And it felt like a bee sting, but probably like two times more painful than a bee sting. So I was just like, Ooh, like what the fuck just happened? And I'm like, Danielle, I think I just, I think I just got bit by something. Like, I don't know if it was like a poisonous centipede or maybe a scorpion. And she's like, dude, there's no way you just got bit by a scorpion. Just like completely, completely dismissive of it. Completely dismissing me. And I'm like, no, I think it was a scorpion. Like this fucking hurts. It hurts. It told me I was going <laughs> into shock, but I'm not. It fucking hurts. So I throw, I throw it across the room. And then like I spent. Like immediately, um, Danielle starts Googling. She starts Googling how to take care of a scorpion bite um, just in case, right? And I'm like, all right, I need to find this motherfucker. So I'm looking around the room and they're they're kind of camouflaged. They blend in like pretty well with the floor. But finally I see it and I'm like, there's a motherfucking scorpion on my floor right now. Like, Danielle, I told you it was, it was a fucking scorpion. And she's like, holy shit, I've never seen a scorpion before. I'm like, I've never seen a scorpion before either. Tiny little guy though, tiny yeah. little guy. And I ended up just grabbing a crock. I smushed the shit of it. I smacked the shit of it. I crushed that motherfucker and I threw him in the trash. But bro, my neck hurt for the next 24 hours, like more than most stings I've ever gotten. Like, there was no reaction to it though. I didn't like swell up or didn't get any rash. It was just like a searing pain in like directly on my Adam's apple. So not vibing with scorpion bites. Can, can they kill you? Not the type of scorpion that bit me. Um, There's and larger they, ones that live yeah. like in the desert and shit that that are definitely de- uh, deadly. Yeah, but this one it was just like I looked it up because I saw I like I was like, all right, this is what it looked like. Here's what it is. It said you're just gonna be in a lot of pain for about 24 hours. But you know what's funny? Like, I asked Danielle uh, later. I was like, I feel like a couple weeks ago I said I think I just saw a baby scorpion. Like a tiny little one where it's like it's not even a color yet. You know, like you see those bugs that are still like gray and you're like, what the fuck even is that thing? And I'm pretty sure I saw this guy a couple weeks ago, but I was just like, no, I must have been hallucinating. That's not an actual scorpion, but it was. So was this in the middle of the day? By the way, Adam's probably never coming to Texas after telling the story. I'm coming to Texas. Y'all have barbecue. <laughs> yeah, well, bar- we're barbecuing scorpions. But you know, uh, speaking of which, I've got food waiting for me. I'm getting roasted right now. Okay, I need we're, uh, we're going to get out of here in just a second, but... I thought scorpions hid it. Was this in the daylight, Greg? Because I thought hit, scorpions were supposed to just hide in dark corners. Um, I've heard dude, of them being in your shoe. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. Oh, like maybe it was because the my blank, like we took the blankets outside recently, mm-hmm. and like ma- the the blanket that we took outside, the same blanket I was using on the couch, and maybe it was just like chilling on the couch in a crevice for a while. But it got me good, man. I I do not recommend anybody uh, getting bit by a scorpion. <laughs> Yeah, because people are just going out there testing that yeah. shit. Yeah, I, I don't believe that Greg guy. Let me go find a scorpion. Let me <laughs> let me see, let me see if this is all he's cracked up to be. I think that guy's a liar. But no, <laughs> and there was a reappearance of WE. I will. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Sorry, let, let me let me go. No, you good. You good, man. This, this is what happens on the three man weave. I like it. I like it. So let me get my vibe check. We'll get out of here. And this is a, a vibe check in which I'm pleading to our audience. I need more friends in my life that watch the show Succession. It's a very much one of my favorite parts of Sunday is watching that show. And they are crushing the final season of the show, season four right now. So I need more people in my life that watch that show because I know there's a lot on the internet. 
Just none of them happen to be my friends in real life. So I'm asking you, reach out to me. Be my friend in real life. Let's talk about Succession because the show is fantastic and not enough people in my current circle are appreciating it. So I'm not vibing with them, but I am vibing with the show. And I hope that y'all come vibe with me so we can talk about it. I love it. Never seen it. Never seen it. Uh, I just know that you sent me the Disgusting Brothers clip, which I find funny. So the Disgusting some, Brothers. <laughs> at some point, we uh, we can definitely watch Succession. Maybe over the summertime, and we need to fill content. But I know Adam needs to get out of here, so let's get Adam out of here. You guys are going to hear some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimist, and this one is called Skywalker. Go see Peace out. Peace I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that she wrote But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embodied that's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes This should be coming down by now, but I won't Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.